welcome to The Long View. This is a podcast about stories of formation and vocation, and we're your hosts, Jane Wassum. And Tim Baumgartner. And we are excited to be here today with you um, and also with our friend Chip Yerskis. And Chip uh, is from Atlanta, Georgia, born and raised. Uh, went to University of Georgia to get a degree in religion and then went to uh, Emmanuel Christian Seminary and was on the long track to get that MDiv and finished it up, uh, I don't know, what, about six, seven years ago. And uh, so as life kind of gets in the way and you get busy doing other things. And so, uh, so Chip finished up there and uh, he is currently um, the lead minister at Jupiter First Church in Jupiter, Florida. Good to be here. We're glad to have you. We would love for you to tell us a little bit about um, the story of your ministry, just how things have transpired um, over the years, kind of where you've been in ministry and, and how you kind of got to where you are today. Yeah. You know, I uh, grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, grew up in a nominally Christian home, uh, uh, dad, Roman Catholic, mom, Episcopalian, they, they, uh, they took me to church until I was about six years old, but that they, 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 they spent a lot of time fighting over which was the real church. You know, you've got a pope. Uh, <laughs> well, you were formed because, you know, you wanted to divorce a wife. And, and, and you know, it, it, my parents got tired of fighting about that. And then from there, it was sort of Christmas and Easter, maybe Good Friday. And uh, I, I came to Christ as a student at University of Georgia. And probably about uh, five months later, I changed my major to religion and uh, and and got married ridiculously early. I grew up in Buckhead. To be okay, everyone mm-hmm. was uh, was was pretty trashy, but but we're we're celebrating our 29th anniversary in December. Uh, so you know, if if all the stupid things I did in life worked out that well. So I uh, changed my major religion at University of Georgia uh, and, and, and really decided I wanted to go into campus ministry. Uh, most of the, uh, the, the, the presentation of the gospel I had gotten as a, a non-Christian sort of being assaulted by evangelicals was following Jesus is about not drinking, having sex or an abortion um, and being a right winger. That was the gospel I heard and suddenly I heard that there's there's more to it than just this this wonky no fun three-legged stool of right wingedness and and so I decided that I wanted to go into campus ministry uh so graduated with a uh, with a, a a degree in religion from uh, University of Georgia went off to Emmanuel um and started started taking classes there had a had a had a job as a youth minister there at the Jonesboro Presbyterian Church okay. and 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 loved working with those kids still in touch with them it, it wasn't enough uh, you know they didn't pay me enough to uh, for that to be my <laughs> only job so I also waited tables at the uh, the cracker barrel there in Kingsport I, I often say if I were to start a seminary your first year, you'd spend it waiting tables because I learned so much just about dealing with people and serving and loving. Uh, it was, was a phenomenal experience. Uh, my last year at Emmanuel, my, uh, my, my son was born and, uh, 
and it was just a very, very difficult time. He had some medical problems, uh, and it was one of those things where we just couldn't stay in Johnson City. So headed back to Athens, Georgia, did an internship with us, with the campus ministry down there, was actually working with a charismatic campus ministry, okay. which was an interesting but empowering experience, and laid the groundworks for starting a, a campus ministry at Emory University and started the, uh, the ministry of the Independent Christian Church at Emory University in uh, 1998. Is that bread? Uh, mm-hmm. Bread, yes, nice. I started with bread. Yeah. Um, That's cool. Uh, it, it was not bread at the time, though. Okay. Uh, and, and, and it was it was interesting situation getting set up at Emory because uh, we had to have official recognition from the Department of Religious Life. You know, it's one of these things where on a state university, you know, I mean, even if you're a UFO cult, if you're not given a bad Kool-Aid, you, you have a constitutional right to be set up. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but a, a private university determines who's going to come on and, and uh, be on campus. So it, it, took, it took about a year to get uh, official recognition at, at Emory University, but uh, got official recognition. And started the campus ministry. Uh, I, the the narrative, my fundraising narrative was: we're going to protect the uh, we're going to protect uh, Christian kids from uh, godless liberal Emory University, <laughs> so, and that was good for raising money. And and in some way, I, I mean, I, yeah. in a lot of ways, I I believed it. But one of the you know it was it was just a, it was an interesting experience. Uh, you know, it's I'm about three years into running this uh this ministry i've I've got a building uh that's right across from a dorm on campus the university gave me this building none of the other ministers wanted it you know i've graduated all my seniors and i've got you know maybe five kids i got a big banner free meal and bible study on tuesday and all these kids you know all these who aren't already christian they're not interested in my campus ministry but, you know, I'm really doing a good job protecting my kids who are Christian already. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, so orientation week has gone through and, 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 and I'm just sort of frustrated. I don't have more students. And, and I remember it's a, a, a Friday, first week there. There's a, a, a kid, uh, uh, you know, 2001, kid overdoses on drugs uh, right across the street from my house, you know, the campus ministry house. And then, then that weekend, another kid has a brain aneurysm. And then, uh, that next Tuesday I turn on the TV and that's when the airplanes are hitting the, the twin towers. So I, I drive into campus and I'm walking around campus and, and, uh, you know, they've set up big screens in the, in in the, the Tate center, the student center and everybody's watching these buildings fall in, and all these kids are New York, New Jersey. And it's my, my uncle's in that building, my cousin's in that building. And, and it, it hit me at that point that, that here are all these people who are in grief, who are in trauma, who, who are having a terrible time. And I've spent so much energy in building my Christian ice cream club to protect kids who are Christian already, that all these people, if I had had a prior relationship with them, been an instrument of God's mercy and grace, 
and 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 at that point there was there was sort of a another calling that I got to to do another kind of ministry and and so shut down the shut down the ministry for about four or five weeks and and rebuilt it as as bread uh, bread coffee house okay. and the idea of of bread is the sermons the hospitality you know it's it's uh it's not you know, you've had two cups of soup. If you choked on that meatball, would you wake up in Jesus's arms? You know, it, it's, yeah. it is, um, you know, we're just, we're just here to love. And in that time, uh, got to know all kinds of interesting and amazing people uh, and, and found myself sort of sabotaged by the, the godless uh, godless liberal Emory University language that I had used to to uh, to get funding at the beginning because these godless liberals um, are now people who I talk with every day and I I dearly love and have a deep relationship with them and I, I go into churches where I'm raising money and people bring up whatever the latest headline is about how. Embry is such a scandalous place. And it's like, well, yeah, actually, I, I know the dean of the chapel of religious life. And she walks with Jesus. She is a wonderful person. And I know these Muslim kids. These are great people. And yeah. yes, there's all kinds of gay kids hanging around here. And, and guess what? I don't see their gayness as a result of their hardness of heart. My goodness, they're at Bible study every week. They love Jesus and the Holy Spirit is working in their lives. I'm seeing the world differently. Um, yeah, that's a big change. Big, big change. Big change. Uh, meanwhile, my wife's teaching uh, Atlanta Public Schools and is just really frustrated by the, the administration, administration issues. And uh, in a day of frustration, she submitted her name to a, uh, a, a headhunting group for, for private schools. And uh, the next day she got an offer from a, a, a school that was brand new in Palm Beach County. Uh, uh, Bill Koch, who's one of the Koch brothers, not Koch brothers, Koch brothers, but gotcha. brother of Koch brothers was not pleased with any of the, uh, any of the private schools that were available for him in, in Palm Beach County and was sort of like, you know, what good is being a billionaire if you, uh, if you can't send your kids to a school that you want to send them to. So he started a school and, uh, and they recruited teachers from, from all over. Um, and they offered my wife a job. So, uh, so here I find myself leaving a ministry I loved to move down to Palm Beach County, Florida, which is beautiful this time of year. And I, I, uh, I stumbled upon Jupiter First Church. They were looking for a, uh, they were looking for a youth minister. I saw a couple of the sermons and saw that it was a UCC church, and just there was so much about it that that I loved. So I interviewed with the, the the senior minister who'd been serving there about 25 years. And he said, uh, well, you're a little old for youth ministry. And, uh, and I said, yes, but, uh, and he said, tell you what, I'm, I'm going to create a job for you. So he created the job of the, the minister of family life. So basically I accepted the job at Jupiter first to be 
the Minister of Family Life, and I served in that position for about four years. Um, in that time, the senior minister, uh, he, he came down with cancer, started going through chemo, that, you know, having a really rough time. We, we lost a lot of the ministers on staff. We left the United Church of Christ. Um, and, 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 and when I, when I arrived at this church, I was one of, of seven ministers on staff. And as the years moved on, I, I, I was one of two. The, the senior minister, beloved senior minister, left after 25 years, uh, and they brought in a, a new person. Uh, and this new person was not a great fit for the church. After about a year and a half, uh, caused a, a, a split in the church. We went mm. from a church of a thousand to a church of 500. Then a number of other things happened where, um, I had to sign a non-disclosure agreement about it, but all the articles you read about non-disclosure agreements being toxic and terrible for churches, <laughs> these are true. And um, they are in fact. Yeah. <laughs> if you're searching for a, a, a minister and you call up the church and, and they say, well, we can't talk to you because there's a non-disclosure agreement, mm -hmm. that should be a good indication about many things. Mm -hmm. Point being, uh, this guy left, uh, 5.30 p.m. December 31st, 2020. And, and I went from being someone who preached every, uh, every four to 11 months uh, to someone who is preaching every Sunday. For the past year, I have been uh, preaching here at Jupiter First Church every, every Sunday. Uh, in this past year, we rejoined the United Church of Christ we have begun a search for a co-lead minister. Yeah, that's that's a story. Um, that's uh, yeah, I, I see in your notes that you said briefly, and, and that was <laughs> that's that fine. Was, that's okay. Getting middle and current. Well, it's hard to to sum things up sometimes. And yeah. I so if we could go back to to the beginning when you yes. talked a little bit about uh, you know going to Georgia and then switching your major to religion. Yes. So, so we were going to ask, like, why did you choose ministry? But you had a, just a whole kind of upheaval of your sort of belief system. So what in the midst of that? So maybe, maybe what were you studying before? And then with being such a dramatic shift into, okay, now I, you know, identify as a believer of Christ and that's when I want to dedicate my life to that. How did, did that, um, decision come about yeah you know uh so b before religion major i was i was pre-law i was uh i was beginning to take um some classes in uh or at least had an intention to take some classes in international business i had a okay. had a minor in french and so it was like okay i'm going to start taking these um these, these business classes, but first I've got to get my math up to level. Um, and I started taking some of these math classes and, and realized that, um, well, that, that sort of helped discern my call out of, uh, out of business. I that, like, closed that door, huh? Clo closed that door. But really be becoming a Christian, I, I became a Christian and, and, and I was newly married. My wife was like, you ought to just take some religion classes. I signed up for these religion classes and it was like, oh my goodness, this is like, this is like watching a National Geographic special. This is, 
this is school, you know, and, and I'm getting, I'm getting so much greater depth than I had ever gotten as, as a kid in Sunday school. One of the things I've discovered in, in campus ministry is with a lot of kids, they get, um, they get Sunday school. So they get elementary school right. leveled, level Bible teaching, and then their parents lose interest in church. And then they, they become high school and college people and they go, oh, that's for babies. I can't pe- believe that people actually believe that stuff because their, their, their religious education doesn't go past fifth or third grade. And so to start, to start seeing such thought and intelligence and depth in, in studying religion, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, you know, this is so much deeper and richer and more beautiful than I could have ever imagined. And it was at that point where I was like, people should be excited about following Jesus. <laughs> you know, this is not intellectually flimsy. This is this is this is speaking about matters of, of justice and of, of joy and about changing the world. And and so it was coming to Christ and then taking classes that 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 showed me that you know this isn't just I'm going to heaven now. This is God has a plan for God's creation, and I want to be a part of that, and I want people to be excited about that. So it was I, I discerned a call to campus ministry a semester and a half into a uh, religion major. I think that answers your question with yeah. little, That's a big shift, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So kind of going along with that, what would you say if you, you know, were thinking about or defining vocation or calling, uh, what would your definition of that be or, um, and how has it maybe changed over the, the years? My, uh, it, it's tricky the, the the idea of of a vocation of of discerning that. Mm-hmm. I, I I guess I discerned it by uh, it made me come alive. Yeah. It was it was exciting to me this idea mm-hmm. of of uh, doing campus ministry and uh, doors opened mm-hmm. for it to happen. Now, with that said, uh, you know, running a a a, a campus ministry that's funded and founded by a more conservative denomination at a place like Emory University, it was really challenging. And working with college students was was also challenging because it was one of those things where these kids are high achievers and they're busy. Yeah. And 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 so to it was one of those things where I want to spend time talking with students and ministering to students. And I've got to do a ton of work just to uh, be able to interact with them and have, have a relationship with them. And so that was always an area of frustration and discouragement. You know, when, when you'd plan an event and sometimes, you know, you'd have two or three people show up. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. I feel and, this in youth ministry, Chip. I understand. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. I mean it's it's uh and and even more so, kids are kids are more busy. You know, yeah. parents parents are trying to you know 
it, it, this this arms race es- escalation and making their kids well-rounded so that they can get mm-hmm. into college. And, yeah. and it just doesn't look great hung out at a youth group. Um, so, you know, they're getting soccer and they're getting piano and maybe they'll show up at your, your, your youth ministry. It's, these are hard times and, and we should be rethinking our model of, uh, of youth ministry to be something that's, that's more like real ministry. We can talk about that later. Yeah. <laughs> but that was, I mean, that was a, that was a huge frustration. And I will say that when I moved to working in a real church and I was real church, uh, air quotes, right? I, I was, I was wondering, am I, am I going to like this? You know, am, am I going to like dealing with old people? I, am I going to like dealing with, you know, you hear the stories about churches splitting over the, the the color of carpet and and all this meaningless stuff and this silly stuff. I started working at a real church and oh my goodness, I loved it. I I I absolutely loved just dealing with people who who had time to be dealt with. And I fell more and more in love with it. You know, when I became the, the minister of congregational care, but I entered into a position where I, I became the guy in charge of all the hospital visits mm-hmm. and, and, and funerals. And I'm doing, you know, I'm at an older church and I'm doing three or four funerals a, a month and I'm always in the hospitals. And, and it's one of these things where being able to be available for people in their time of greatest crisis, you know, and from one perspective, that's really hard. And, and, you know, that's getting hit in the face with mortality as you, as you see people dying and dead. Uh, But also the, the joy of being able to be with people um, and to, offer words of, of comfort and to be able to offer the gospel and, and offer ministry of presence uh, in such a dark time is just a tremendous blessing. So I, my calling through trial and error, it has, it has grown and it has evolved. I never, I never saw myself in uh in a position of church leadership. I wanted to minister, not administer. Uh, and, and, you know, when they were searching for the last senior minister, there were people putting around a, a, a petition for me to be the new senior minister. And I said, stop this petition. Yep. You know, this is not what <laughs> no I thanks. want to do. Yeah. Um, and it's been, it's been pretty much uh, dropped if not on my lap, on my head uh, and my shoulders. Uh, sure it feels that way. What I've experienced in, in dealing with some 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 rather toxic people in 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 positions of leadership. What what I've what I've seen is that at least for this church and maybe for the church of the future, the the model of senior minister might not be the healthiest approach to uh, to leading a congregation. Amen. So over this past year, yeah. I've... Uh, <laughs> I've realized that, huh? I've realized, well, I, I realized this over the past three years, but that's stuff sure. covered by non-disclosure agreement. Yes, but <laughs> now you experience it firsthand. Yeah. So. 
Yes, first, can't talk first about that. Yeah, I've seen this. Yeah. Um, but but you know, throughout this year, we've pretty much we we convinced the the congregation, most of the congregation, and the search committee that what we need to look for is someone who wants to share the leadership. Yeah, that and can be challenging. I'm very excited about that model. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's neat. I think uh, didn't the Willow Tree, uh, Willow Creek, didn't they move that? To a, yeah. when Bill Hybel stepped down, didn't they do like a co-leadership? I, I think I, think, so. I think they may have, and yeah. and there it is. There's another example of why uh, you yeah. know it's you like, sort of get burned hey, out, and you just that's a lot yeah. of control for one person, a lot of authority. It, it, you know, um, I I've been saying over the past couple of years that if you're you know if you're not good looking enough to be a uh, a movie star, and you're not musical enough to be a rock star and you're not smart enough to be a politician and you're a malignant narcissist um you really ought sure to look there's, at a, your- there's a big church out there for you somewhere right <laughs> yeah <laughs> or a small one that wants that yeah. <laughs> well so uh you know i was about to to ask you about sort of your how you understood the sort of the change in vocation but you talked about how how it has, has grown as you have changed and so I wonder, in the midst of you know doing campus ministry and then kind of reimagining campus ministry and then moving into a church and now a new role, uh, in the midst of all of that, uh, those big changes, some of them really big, uh, how have you you know questioned or struggled with sort of your 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 concept of what vocation is or any doubts of being called into ministry? And if you did struggle or doubt, like where did you find find hope in the midst of that struggle? You know, I I, I think. <clears throat> I, I had it, when I struggled with it. I had I had people who uh, who were there to encourage me, and and people who said, uh, "Keep keep doing it, keep at it. Don't don't give up." Um, and 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 in a lot of ways, I think the the vision that I had for a ministry, it, or at least when I was dreaming about it, like. You know where where I'm the hero of this story, and it's it's uh, phenomenally successful. Um, and you know that that dream that wasn't the way it it turned out. You know, it, I I never had a uh, a huge a, a huge ministry uh, when I was running the campus ministry at at Emory. Uh, so the the money, or excuse me, the numbers. We're not. Um, we're never big. Yeah. But the, but the quality of the relationships that I had, and the the people who I was able to make friends with, and was able to connect with, and to get to know. These are people who would not have been a part of the 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 dream. I my initial dream that I had for campus ministry. And, and, and when I think about those, those friendships and when I think about people who, who, who came to the Bible studies and, uh, you know, I mean, we, we had this great Muslim kid who, who came to Bible study every week said, look, I, I can't become a Christian. It, it, would, it would kill my mom. <laughs> but you know what? This guy who's a dear friend with a friend of mine still, uh, he's in, he knows Jesus. Uh, and 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 his time studying the gospels and studying the Bible, it informs his life. So you know, I, does he know Jesus? Does he have a personal relationship with Jesus? Yeah, 
Is he going to go to a Christian church and get baptized on a uh, a Sunday morning and, and be a great fundraising opportunity for my campus ministry and great newsletter material? Probably no. not. Is the guy walking with Jesus? Yeah. And so I, I look through and I, I, I look at the, the gap between what I dreamed of and what I actually got. No, I didn't get what I dreamed of. But did God work through the ministry that I had? And, and did God bless the perseverance that I had? Uh, the, you know, the, the, the case where, yeah, maybe I should have given up years, years ago, but I didn't. Yes. And, and, and it's so exciting to me to see where, where bread is now yeah. as an industry. Yeah, uh, cool. One of the things, one of the things that I did in those years running it as bread was I, I formed a relationship with the department of religious life and I, I formed relationships on campus and was it a beachhead? Yeah, it was, you know, this, this ministry is is now established, and oh my goodness, I get the newsletters. I'm like, yep. wow, look yeah. what's happening. Chris there. is doing it, some great stuff there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I love what you talked about, about um, just finding hope through those friendships. And I wonder if you could um, just say a little bit more about who those people are. Not You don't have to I mean specifically if you want, but just where those relationships came from and you you just talked about a few of them but I'm thinking for those listening you know maybe the second part of this I'm thinking about is just if people are in places where you know they are struggling with sense of calling or whatever it is and looking for those places of hope and um, just if you could you know say a little bit more about those how you found or created or you know fostered those friendships and relationships yeah you know a lot of those people uh just walked into the coffee house uh there were there were some ministers of nearby churches who had heard about the place and they uh they came in and just talked to me and and saw what i was doing and what i was trying to do and and really provided encouragement prayer and conversation you know throughout the throughout the years. So I, I, I think, you know, from from the angle of, of, of being a minister, I think it's so important to keep an eye out for people who are in ministry and, and provide them with encouragement. So when and, you were when you were struggling and recognized that, you know, is this the right thing? Should I be doing this? Did you reach out to them or were they so connected to you and what you were doing that they kind of made the initiative and took the initiative and spoke to you about it. You know, it was a case of a lot of people who, who sought me out. And again, you know, one of the problems was, and I, I established this at the beginning is I had, I had established a na- a narrative about Emory being a very dark place. Uh, and so one of the, the ways in which I felt really, alone in this ministry was I, I, I began by telling a, a story about Emory as this, this place of darkness. Then I'm finding people who are light in this darkness, yeah. who are serving God in this context. And the, the problem was is that 
the majority of my supporting churches were still viewing me as this crusader agent of light, light in a, a godless, dark, depraved place. And, and uh, you know, it was really kind of hard to find much depravity at Emory University. The kids are just so busy, uh, you know, but, but so one of, one of the challenges that, that, that I, I, I faced was that a lot of the, a lot of the churches who supported me and people who supported me were supporting, were supporting me in the midst of a dark place. And it seemed less and less dark as the years went on. And that was an area where I said, you know, maybe I, I, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can uh, do this much longer. So I, I was thankful when I grieved greatly when I had to leave campus ministry, but it was also really wonderful for me to, to find myself in a, at, you know, at a United Church of Christ, a, a, a place that was a lot more, a lot more open to diversity of, of thought and diversity of people uh, than, than where I was when I was be, being supported by the churches that are, you know, dear and wonderful people, and, and they believed in the gospel, and, and I never stopped proclaiming the gospel or pointing to the gospel. I just began to see that the gospel was, I saw bigger edges to the gospel that, that everyone didn't. So it was a very it was a lonely, it was a lonely place to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as you look ahead, kind of uh, into, you know, the days and years ahead, what hopes or dreams do you currently have for ministry where you are or just in your life? Um, what are some of the hopes and dreams that you have? Well, um, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm excited about developing this, this, uh, co-lead ministry model, uh, excited about uh, rebuilding this church, uh, about having a, 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 a church that is, uh, that's open to all people, that is, that is welcoming, that is uh, providing a, an alternative to a lot of the things that are out there, that is a, a, a unified and beautiful place. I, I, I'm serving in a church that is a uh, it's a it's a purple church, you know. We, we we've got and 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 so there are a lot of real challenges in in serving at a at serving at a purple church. Uh, we're such a we're such a divided nation, and and it's so easy to to vilify people who don't think like you. And and I'm serving a congregation full of people who don't think like one another, and it's challenging to preach there. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> it's uh, it's challenging to serve there. It was it, you know, I mean, I've dealt with some heartbreak this year. People mm-hmm. leaving the church over us saying, "Yeah, we're going to continue to wear masks," and so it's it's hard to do that. But I also see that it's really really important. That uh, that that people of different ide- ideologies are united under the authority in the name of Christ. I do not see this nation on a good trajectory if uh, if if our allegiance to Jesus does not outrank our allegiance to political party and political ideology. 
So it, it, it seems to me to have a, have a church where we've got people united under the name of Christ uh, and, and the authority of Christ, this is important. Now, how do we do that without all of our sermons just being beige and noncommittal and yeah. go to heaven? It's a hard um, line. Yeah. 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 This is, this is, this is a challenge, uh, you know, uh, and uh, working on it, working on, on, but I guess what I would say is I, I view preaching as I, I've got a, I've got a chisel and I've got a mallet and I get one gospel hit on that rock every month or every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's 52 hits a year. You know, that's 312 hits in six years. And hopefully the spirit shapes people into something different. You know, we're cooperating with God. Any change that's going to happen is going to be based on the conviction of the Holy Spirit. My, my hope, though, is that we can be, we can be a church where we're united in Christ, where we're pointing to the gospel, where we're challenging people to at least look at things from a different angle mm-hmm. and challenging people to love our neighbors and talk to our neighbors and have difficult conversations with our neighbors. And if, if we can't do that, well, gosh, what I, are we doing? I, yeah. Are we doing? Yeah. yeah. I love, yeah. I think that's really beautiful. Um, and I love just listening to your story One thing I love about your story um, is that some of the things you talked about from before, uh, you know, from previous seasons or times of ministry in your life, you know, you referenced the loneliness at times. It kind of seemed to to lead to a beautiful vision, you know, into a beautiful vision of these things that you're talking about of hope. And that resonates with me. I think it uh, probably does with other people as well in their stories, things that from, you know, seasons of ministry or in their life that may be struggles or things like that, but kind of lead into, um, and I think led by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as well, you know, kind of lead into these vision and hope for things into the future um, of what God is doing. So I, I really love that about your story and the way you talk about it. And so you you mentioned, Chip, about sort of kind of co-creating with God, kind of partnering with God in this way. And so I'm curious as to how, how that relates to your idea of what discernment is or decision-making as you have uh, had some twists and turns and directions in your life and ministry and work uh, and family. Like how, how has discernment been a practice of yours or a way of life for you? What, what does that look like? You know, I... I, I I think it, it looks like just trying to do the the next right thing. It is, uh, and, and, and the next loving thing, you know, uh, and seeking out relationships and just seeking out uh, being with people, loving people, serving people day after day. Uh, and, and so have I, have I had a, 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 a long-term vision of, of what I'm supposed to do. Um, you know, it, no, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> no. it's, Simple answer. How, yep. no, how, how do I, how, how am I going to be loving today? How am I going to bless the people that God puts in my path today? You know, and, uh, and, and, and in a lot of ways, you know, I think back on my, 
my, uh, my, my education at Emmanuel. And, and when I was starting the campus ministry and when I was doing all the things that I was doing at, at Red, I was frustrated that no one gave me a roadmap, that, mm-hmm. that I didn't get all of these practical uh, step-by-step instructions uh, for how to do these things. Um, but also the fact that I didn't have that, the, the fact that I, you know, I, I, I sat in lecture after lecture with, with, with Dr. Norris just <laughs> riffing on beautiful theological ideas and, 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 and he was quite loud. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's my favorite. Um, and did I, did I learn any how to step one, two, three, four? No. Yeah. And I'm yeah. so thankful that I didn't. Uh, it just doesn't go that way. Yeah. It, it doesn't go that way. And ministry isn't that way. And, and yes, you can reproduce, uh, some kind of, uh, you can go with the mega church formula and you can do all your mega church steps and, and have your mega church results. But, but I'm not sure if, uh, if the mega church results are, are really, uh, look, look that much like, like Jesus all the time. Uh, yep. I, I, I don't know. I see a lot of, uh, I, I, I see a lot of things that, 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 that trouble me in, contemporary Christendom. I, I don't think we're going to get where God wants us to go by uh, following formulas. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think also, you know, if we start from that place of thinking that it is a formula, it, you know, doesn't leave room for us to kind of sit in openness to God and to the spirit as much. So I think that's if, probably an important, more important place. Yeah, it is. Because when things don't, if you have this map and then things don't go that way, then like, are you wrong? Is the world wrong? What mm-hmm. what's Things break apart and they kind of, uh, you're just operating from a different framework that uh, ministry just doesn't fit into. You know, I, I was listening, Corey Doctorow on a, a recent podcast was talking about, about change and discernment and, and he uses the image of, of how ants climb a hill. You know, hmm. and the ants climb a hill, they've got six legs and they, they lift a leg and they can feel where gravity is pulling on that leg and they just move each leg up as they go. And, 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 and I think in terms of discernment, in terms of climbing these hills that we can't fully fathom, we need to be led by love. We, we need to say, what is the next step? And as, as we're pulled by love, we take that next right step and that gets us up the hill. And, and, and really that's, you know, that's, that's openness to God at each moment. I guess what I'll say is I, I had, uh, when I was dreaming of campus ministry, again, the dream, the, the success dream, the fantasy of it didn't, did not come about as I had dreamed it. Of course, when we're dreaming things, we're always the hero, right? Of course. You know, of course. Oh, no. I, I'm a savior. Who needs other messiahs? There's me. You know, <laughs> what I saw emerging as I look back on them, that was almost 10 years ago. And I and I look at people who I've known from then. And it's it it's I've seen that God's done beautiful things in those people's lives. And and that's I'm I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful for where I am now. So um, I think part of what you just said is a great encouragement uh, to others just about the next right step and about loving 
uh, as you go. What other encouragement would you have for those, you know, maybe those who are even in seminary or those who are in a ministry and facing challenges or potential shifts, but what encouragement would you have uh, for staying open to God's leading and direction in their lives? I think I would say this, is that that I believe God is meeting us at every step and calling us at every step and that nothing that we give to God is wasted. No time that we spend uh, learning about God or connecting with God or loving other people is is wasted. And I think that no no call to ministry is untrue. And and by here, here's what I mean by that. God has entrusted us with the ministry of reconciliation. God has called us as followers of Jesus to be ambassadors for Christ. And so that call is on our life no matter where we are. And, and, and if that means we get a church job and the church job fails and now suddenly we're selling used cars because what else can you do with a religion degree and a good personality? <laughs> right, um, right. You know, yeah. but, but, but the thing is, is that wherever, wherever God puts you, God has entrusted you with the Holy Spirit, with the gospel of Christ, and you are a minister wherever you go. And, and, and that means even after, even after great failures, even if you find yourself not in church work anymore, mm-hmm. my goodness, the majority of people who need to hear the gospel of Christ, well, wow. guess what? They're not coming to church to hear it. Yeah. If, people, if people are going to hear the gospel uh and I would say, actually, more importantly, uh, see the gospel embodied. It's going to be through people who are out in the quote-unquote real world living the life uh, that, that reflects the good news of Christ. Uh, so I'd say wherever, wherever you find that yourself vocationally, uh, whatever successes or failures you have, Nothing changes the fact that we have been entrusted with an ambassadorship. God will uh, work alongside you. I didn't say use because I don't like that language, yeah. but but God will co-create and invite and empower us wherever we are, whatever circumstances we're put in. So I, I'd say if if you've had any inkling that you're a minister and you're called to ministry, you are called to ministry. And, and that might not wind up being in church work or as you envisioned it or as you dreamed of it, where you're that hero. But day to day, if you find yourself just in secular work and you're in secular work and you love Jesus and you love your neighbor, God's going to do amazing things with you and for you. So uh, don't give up and know that God doesn't waste a, a heart that is turned towards God. Yeah, I think that is a really helpful reminder to all of us that mm-hmm. nothing is wasted. Um, no matter kind of what twists and turns your ministry and life may take, that uh, all of it is used and, and can be um, redeemed and that uh, it's not wasted. That's good to know. So we, yeah. 
Um, we have really enjoyed having you, Chip. Um, it's been just wonderful to talk with you, to hear from you. Uh, we really appreciate all the work that you've done and all the ways that you have been open to God in your life and ministry. And uh, thank you so much for joining us today. I, I enjoyed it. It was fun. Yeah, thank you, Chip. We have a, a prayer that we would like uh, to share, to read as we close our time together, and uh, this is a prayer that is called, May the God of Surprises Delight You. And it's, I'm going to mess up her last name, but it's by Elizabeth Island Figueroa. 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 Thank you. <laughs> All right, this is the prayer. May the God of Surprises delight you, inviting you to accept gifts not yet imagined. May the God of Transformation call you, opening you to continual renewal. May the God of justice confront you, daring you to see the world through God's eyes. May the God of abundance affirm you, nudging you towards deeper trust. May the God of embrace hold you, encircling you in the hearth of God's home. May the God of hopefulness bless you, encouraging you with the fruits of faith. May the God of welcoming invite you, drawing you nearer to the fullness of God's expression in you. May the God who is present be with you, awakening you to God in all things, all people, and all moments. May God be with you. Amen. Amen. And also with you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again, Chip. It's been great talking Absolutely. with you.